This is Talking Animals. This is WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. And my guest today is Barbara Trask-Lovett, president of Save Nosy Now, which initially was devoted to improving the life of an elephant named Nosy who was forced to perform in circus acts solo and often under dreadful circumstances, while a growing chorus of advocates and organizations called for her relocation to an elephant sanctuary. For decades, Nosy was both the symbol of the horrible plight of a performing circus elephant and the real thing. But a few years ago, Nosy was seized in Alabama for various infractions committed by her longtime owner and was sent to the Elephant Sanctuary in Tennessee at first temporarily and she's now a permanent resident there. Last week the sanctuary issued a highly upbeat uh, update on Nosy overlapping by a day or two a horrific video that surfaced online in the New Yorker of NRA honcho Wayne LaPierre hunting an elephant and botching the shooting. This odd juxtaposition spurred today's session of Elephant Talk. The Trash Club at Nine will convene shortly. Naturally Save Nosy Now's mission has shifted focusing on other captive circus and zoo elephants. She'll fill us in on some of those elephants that particularly need our attention and our help when I speak with Barbara Trask-Lovett. In a few moments here on Talking Animals on WMNF. I have a couple of programming notes. On next week's show, May 12th, I've invited Glenn Hatchell to join me on the show for an extended feature I'm calling Ask the Trainer. Some of you know Glenn was a longtime programmer here at WMNF, and as others of you may know, Glenn is an accomplished dog trainer with multiple certifications representing extensive training he has undergone in multiple canine topics. He works full-time for the Humane Society of Tampa Bay, where his duties include running morning playgroups featuring the dogs currently living there and related to that experience, helping match those dogs with prospective owners for successful adoption. So on next week's show, Ask the Trainer will involve inviting listeners to call or email in with everyday questions or concerns about their dogs. Maybe it's a training challenge. Maybe it's a behavioral issue. Maybe it's something else. And Glenn has graciously agreed to field those questions and help you with your dog or dogs. So that's next Wednesday, May 12th on Talking Animals. Also, two weeks from today, May 19th, will be early in one of our patented two-day fun drives. So, of course, Talking Animals will be raising money the morning of the 19th. As always, we know we'll need a head start to reach our fundraising goals. So please visit WMNF.org and donate. Hit that tip jar, baby. But please Please be sure to specify your donation is in support of Talking Animals. As always, we'll have special thank you gifts for donations, including those pet hair removing gizmos that were such a hit last time. Meanwhile, later in today's program, I'll speak with Gracie Grishop of Pet Pal Animal Shelter, which has taken their big yearly fundraiser online. So their 19th annual Puppy Love Benefit is going virtual, which means the auction packages that are always central to the event still are there this year, but the bidding is online too and continues through Saturday, this Saturday, May 8th. So we'll hear about the virtual event, some of the auction packages, and more when I talk with Gracie later in the show. Right now, though, let's talk elephants with Barbara with a reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing DJ at WMNF.org, or texting 813-433-0885. This is Barbara Trask-Lovett on Talking Animals on WMNF. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning, Duncan. Thanks for having me. Oh, uh, Thanks for coming back on uh, Talking Animals. So first, to maybe get a little context for, for the conversation, let's do the nickel tour of your background. 
which as I recall from our previous talk on the show, intersects Sea Shepherd and Paul Watson, among other things. Yes, I started out in that world with the dolphins and the orcas and the whales. Um, I was very involved with Sea Shepherd onshore activities for quite a few years prior to getting into the elephant business. And I think the, the crossover was when I realized that elephants were in the same situation as many of the dolphins and orcas are in captivity and that they share a lot of the same issues and problems. Um, So I've always loved elephants. Um, They've always been an enigma for me as well as a fascination. And I decided that I'd focus more on that. And then when a person who I knew quite well in the elephant world um, came to me and said that she knew about a little elephant named Nosy who needed our help, I couldn't stop. So we uh, started Save Nosy Now in 2014. Initially, it was just a Facebook group, and it grew exponentially um, with the interest in this one little elephant. And I think I think what happened is that because she was alone and she was traveling with a small circus family out of Florida and being hauled all over the country, and her situation was quite egregious, it struck a lot of people. And um, we were able to follow her around the country and get all kinds of information about the venues. Uh, where she was going to be performing or giving elephant rides. Um, We followed her um, everywhere, and we got on those venues and told them what the situation was, and we're very successful in getting quite a few of them canceled. So he was losing money, and uh, we were also after local, state, and federal governments um, to enact more laws, to uphold the Animal Welfare Act, to uphold their own local and state laws to make sure that the elephant was taken care of wherever she went. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where it went. And you kind of touched on this, but one of the things I was going to ask about, maybe since you did kind of touch on it, maybe you can expand, because over the years, there's been other kind of lone elephants that have lived uh, an unpleasant life, not unlike Nosy's. But there was something about Nosy, and obviously uh, she spoke to you, she spoke to many others, but I think I mentioned to you, at least off air, if not on air in the past, over many, many years, I got a bunch of calls and messages about Nosy. Uh, Can you do a show? Can you call attention to this uh, elephant? Uh, And not that I didn't get inquiries about other elephants, but I mean, it was significantly more about Nosy. So besides the fact that she was kind of solo, what else do you think about her provoked this profound sort of response and sort of, I guess, very protective tendency that really seemed kind of singular, even for people that were concerned about elephants and and elephants that were traveling maybe mostly by themselves. What do you think it was about her? Well, I think a lot of it is that she's just the most beautiful little elephant. And I say little only because she tends to be a little smaller than her African relatives. Uh, She came from Zimbabwe um, in 1984. She was born in 1982 and ripped from her mother's side in 1984 when there was a cull of elephants by the Zimbabwe government and brought here with 63 other baby elephants um, and lived in Florida with an eccentric millionaire and his wife who wanted to have their own elephant farm. But as the elephants grew larger and harder to handle and became much more expensive to hold, they started selling them off. And Nosy ended up with that small circus family in Florida. I think the fact that she was a female elephant made a big difference because the female elephants are very matriarchal Mm. and they tend to stay with their families for life. Um, they stay with their mothers, their grandmothers, their aunts, their cousins, and they uh, they learn from each other. And they become very um, 
open to uh, knowing what's going on and educating themselves um, um, amongst their herds. And Nosy didn't have any of that. So I think she brought out a lot of the matriarchal tendencies or the, the feminine tendencies in women, particularly. We have a lot of women who are very interested in Nosy. Yeah. Um, because of that. So that's one of the issues, I think, other than the fact that she was just the cutest little thing. Right. Yeah, well, that that also helps. But it sounds like that what really maybe struck that chord in particular was that she was female and she was deprived because she was always by herself of anything even remotely elephant-like in terms of a matriarchal family connection. And I guess that that, among many other things, really bothered people that, that would take take action and see what they could do to uh, to help her. So uh, so all the goodwill, I guess, of that kind and all her bad years, unfortunately for her, I seem to all come together. And as I mentioned at the, uh, in the introduction, she did land at the Elephant Sanctuary. So one thing that kind of spurred our conversation this morning was, was this really positive, nosy update that the Elephant Sanctuary issued last week. Could you maybe just take a moment and summarize that that update, how she's doing? Yes, yes. Um, there, she... she in 2017, she was found by the road um, in uh, Moulton, Alabama, by some advocates who knew about us, who found us online, and were able to let us know that she was there. Um, we we told them they, they should call the animal control officer in their local area. That was the first step. Um, the second step would have been to, che- to check on um, the state laws in Alabama to see if anything could help her there. And if not, then we'd go to the USDA and ask for some kind of a, um, a look-see to see how she was doing at that site. Um, but the animal control officer, who ended up, um, was a woman, um, ended up being the catalyst to get her to the sanctuary. And we were very grateful to her, as well as to the other women who were involved in the case, um, the assistant DA, who was also a woman, and the judge, who was also a woman. We call it our miracle in Moulton because she was able to um, get out of that situation with the circus and be transported to the elephant sanctuary that very day. Um, so getting her there um, was, was a major feat for us and a major victory. Um, and then we watched as she progressed in her medical situation. When she arrived, she had terrible um, medical problems such as a urinary tract infection that was chronic. She had uh, hyperkeratosis, which is a very uh, serious bacterial skin disease, um, which they're still working on at the sanctuary. She has arthritis, which is very pronounced in her legs. And she had severe muscular atrophy, especially around her shoulders and head because she had been hauled in a trailer for 30 years. Mm. That was not big enough for her and she couldn't lift her head. She was left in that trailer for hours and hours and hours on on the road. She was constantly chained up, of course, at these facilities, which contributed to her arthritis because elephants need to walk a considerable number of miles per day. Um, As she's progressed over the years, the Elephant Sanctuary has done wonderful work um, getting those medical problems under control. She is Uh, foraging and she is using her tusks, although I guess in the wrong way because she never learned how to use her tusks uh, properly to dig as elephants like to dig in the soil and dig on trees. She was using the side of her tusks 
instead of the front. So the sanctuary um, made a decision to file down her tusks so that she would learn um, better instincts to do that foraging and that digging in the soil. Um, she's doing extremely well at the sanctuary. She's enjoying her uh, autonomy and her freedom. She has freedom of choice on where she goes in her large habitat. Um, unfortunately, because she was exposed to tuberculosis um, many years ago in 2012, um, she is not able to be with the other African elephants at the sanctuary because they were not exposed to TB. However, there are two, uh, two or three, well, two Asian elephants right now at the sanctuary who were exposed to TB, uh, Tara and Sissy, and she has met Tara and Sissy over a fence line um, at the sanctuary, and they've been touching and talking and rumbling to each other. Um, the issue, of course, is that Asian elephants like Tara and Sissy and Nosy, who is African, don't speak the same language, per se, and they don't have the same culture. Um, one is from Africa, the other is from Asia. So they're uh, very different, not only in, their, in the way they appear physically, but, like I said, in their language and culture. Um, it's not expected that she will be in the same habitat next to uh, Sissy and Tara, although um, we hope that they'll be able to stay close together so that they can at least meet over fence lines and touch trunks and communicate in whatever way they can. And in the future, we're hoping that another elephant who's been exposed to TB, and there are some out there in zoos and circuses, um, would be able to come to the sanctuary to be companions with Nosy. So that would be, Barbara, the only way, regardless of how much time passes, that Nosy would be in close proximity with another elephant if they had the same kind of TB status. That's correct. Um, they, TB is very contagious amongst elephants. It also can be transferred to people, uh, which is one of the reasons that elephant riding and elephant touching at some of these facilities that provide that um, entertainment um, shouldn't be um, in business. They're, they're really putting the public in a real danger, um, and it's not conducive to keeping elephants um, in captivity. Yeah. Well, all in all, though, it sounds like he's got a really much better life and medically and otherwise is doing so much better. And as you say, let's hope that there won't be too much longer before maybe some other elephant ends up there that can actually be in close proximity with Nosy and have more companionship that way. Yes, that's what we're hoping for. Yeah. This is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan Strauss. If you just tuned in, my guest is Barbara Trask-Lovett, the president of Save Nosy Now, which advocates for captive elephants to be retired to legitimate elephant sanctuaries. As happened with the namesake elephant Nosy we were just discussing, we're also going to be talking about various elephants in the news uh, and some that should be in the news if it will help them. If you'd like to ask Barbara a question about elephants or offer a comment about elephants, please call 813-239-9663, email dj at wmnf.org, or text 813-433-0885. So, as I noted earlier in the show, within a day or two of this uh, really kind of rosy, uh, upbeat, nosy uh, update report, a horrific video surfaced on the New Yorker's website showing NRA honcho Wayne LaPierre hunting an elephant. And I don't know that there could ever be a good version of this, but actually botching the shooting of it, which made it even more horrific. So do you care to say anything about the video, which allegedly LaPierre and others had fought to keep private since this hunt took place, I guess, in 2013? Any comments about what it might say about 
hunting, about elephants, about the NRA or anything else, Barbara? Yeah, trophy hunting is probably one of the most egregious things that's going on in the world to be able to sell natural resources that um, that a country has, like Zimbabwe, Botswana. Um, it, it, it really just breaks my heart to think that they can sell off these precious, precious elephants who are now listed as endangered by the IUCN. Uh, so we... We really push hard um, against trophy hunting in just in in the, in the simplest terms. But in terms of this particular um, LaPierre video, Wayne LaPierre, of course, is the head honcho for the NRA, and he took his wife Susan with him. She sits on the National Park Foundation. She's on the board of directors, and we are pushing hard to get her off that that board of directors. She does not sit there. Um, all I can say about that video is that uh, all I could think of was that they were evil, they are cowards, and they are incompetent. I mean, he knows nothing about using a gun or shooting, which is typical of trophy hunters, wherein the, the guides who run these trophy hunts do all the work um, using and in importing the elephant parts, which they tended to do, um, which they, people tend to do a lot, um, they did it secretly because it's not a kosher thing to do and it's not legal. Um, using elephant feet for stools after they get their elephant parts here is just the most egregious thing. Yeah. So um, Zimbabwe um, are currently selling trophy hunts for 500 elephants at a $10,000 each, which Jeez. would give them money that supposedly for their park foundations. But we found that over the years, trophy hunting money tends to go to the rich fat cats in the countries and the government officials. Um, it doesn't really um, trickle down to anybody of consequence to do any kind of conservation work. Botswana did the same thing. They sold 287 trophy permits at $43,000 per head. Um, again, another very egregious thing to do when there's only 400,000 elephants left in the whole world. There used to be millions and millions of elephants on this planet. Yeah. And man is their biggest predator. No, it's so rough, like you say, just trophy hunting is generally, and again, with elephant uh, trophy hunting, you get the thing like the LaPierre video, which, yeah, was, I mean, as you say, often the people on those hunts really don't know what they're doing and, and it's the guides and whatever that kind of get everything sort of, you know, handled really. I guess because of LaPierre's role in the NRA, the fact that he clearly didn't really know how to wield a weapon or shoot or, or didn't seem to even understand what was happening, I thought was, I mean, I understood why he was trying to keep it secret for a bunch of years. And then back to Susan LaPierre sitting on that board, just as an adjunct to how disturbing the video was, I mean, she also kills an elephant and seems to be more adept, I guess, than her husband at handling a gun, but also super gleeful when she took her elephant down. And so anyway, just a lot of uh, issues and problematic things all rolled into one relatively short video that, uh, again, I think you can find pretty easily if you haven't seen it and you, you know, for some reason uh, still want to see it now, you can search for the on the New Yorker's website. So let's... I still haven't watched the video. <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I read, I read the synopsis of what had happened, and that was enough for me. I don't need to see what they're doing. I've seen this many times over the years with trophy hunting and the videos that they put out, the um, Safari Club International and the NRA and all of them that are all in cahoots together to keep guns rolling and keep the trophy hunts going uh, for their own um, sick purposes. Yeah, I have to say that Susan LaPierre 
has to have a mental disorder. She really does to be so gleeful and so um, just incompetent and evil to to want this elephant to be dead and to revel in it. Yeah. And then to bring back the elephant's feet to be used as stools in their home. It just is so, so egregious. Yeah, I only watched the video just in preparation for the show, but I uh, immediately regretted it and felt kind of sick to my stomach afterwards. So, yeah, so I would not really recommend it. I think our description here, probably most people have, got, have gotten plenty of an idea of what goes on. Again, this is Talking Animals. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest is Barbara Traslow, the president of Save Nosy Now, and a longtime activist and expert on the plight of captive elephants. We invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing DJ at WMNF.org or texting 813-433-0885. So let's uh, spend some time discussing a captive elephant or two, contending with circumstances that maybe are particularly difficult in sort of a shorthand, what we might call the next nosies. Uh, who should we know about and who should we try to help in that way? Well, nosy was um, rather unique in the sense that she was a lone elephant traveling yeah. with one circus family. And we aren't aware of any <clears throat> other circus families like that out there traveling with just one elephant. Yeah. Um, the major circuses that are on the road right now, and of course, during COVID, circuses did tend to shut down almost totally. Yeah. There were a few uh, shows here and there in small towns, but the, um, the attendance was very poor and they were spreading COVID. There were even some news reports about circuses spreading COVID um, during um, 2020. So uh, most of them did shut down, but now they're getting back on the road with things easing up across the country. There are two major um, circuses on the road right now. One of them is the Cardin Circus owned by Larry and Brett Cardin. They travel with four elephants, um, Betty, Bo, Janice, and Cindy. And all four of those elephants are suffering terrible, terrible fate. Bo is a big bull elephant. He's huge. And he's trained. He's chained up 24-7, not performing um, for some reason. He's kept in the background, but he's also um, traveling with the circus, so he's always there in the background. We've seen various videos of him standing and swaying in the background, which means that he is very distressed about his situation. Yeah. And it's just a matter of time before he may decide to let loose with all that frustration and anger and uh, kill someone. Yeah. Um, he's been acting out some. He's a danger to the public. He can't be trusted. And only one handler in that group of the Cardin Circus can can manage him. So we don't even know why he's there, why they take him with them. Um, what, the other elephant, Daddy, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, I wonder what your guess is, because if he's not performing, is there just no place to uh, otherwise put him when and, and rather than keep him on the road and, and not have him perform? And obviously, they don't care about exhibiting the stress behaviors and stuff. But I just wonder about the logistics of why they keep hauling Bo around if he's not performing and not so much as often looked at as, as a monetary decision and he's not bringing in anything. I just wonder if there's not some reason there's not an alternative to Bo or do they just not have a place to put Bo if they can't keep him around on the road? Well, because they had to house all the elephants during COVID when they weren't on the road. So yeah. there's housing available for him at yeah, the site. Yeah, that's what I would have thought. Um, yeah. 
And the only thing that we can surmise is that it has to do with money. It has to yeah. do with insurance costs. Okay. Um, they take him with them um, and use him in, in case something happens, then insurance will cover it, that kind of thing. That's the only thing we can come up with, why they would take him on the road. The other issue may be that they need that person, that, that one handler who can manage him with them at all times. Yeah. So um, for the other elephant. I see. So they're kind of stuck, it sounds like, in a way, or at least that's how they view it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. The other three elephants are female, Betty, Janice, and Cindy. Betty drags her trunk um, uh, when she has multiple, multiple riders on her back, sometimes as many as 10 or 12 people. Oh, my God. Um, Time after time, um, she's walking in small circles all the time. She's, um, She's used pretty much exclusively for elephant riding during shows. She does do some performing as well. But we feel that her trunk is probably paralyzed because she never really picks it up from the ground. It's a really, really sad, mm. sad look for her. Um, with Janice, her back leg is in obvious pain, and she she drags it and struggles to walk. And she's trying to carry several hundred pounds of riders over and over and over. Um, she's swollen um, on her leg joints and covered in what they call wonder dust that hides wounds that are inflicted by their handlers. Mm. I think that, um, you know, they use the bull hooks a lot. Bull hooks is like a, a really heavy, what looks like a poker um, that you'd use for the fireplace, except it has a really um, sharp. A sharp edge yeah. on the end. And they use that in very sensitive spots on the elephant's skin. <sighs> um, Cindy is suffering the same fate. Um, she's got arthritis, very obviously has arthritis from repeated motion. She's carrying riders on hard concrete most of the time, and uh, she's paying with her, her life. They all are. They all pay with their lives for this kind of madness that people think they need for entertainment. So it sounds like collectively, if there are a way to get the Cardin Circus uh, off the road, or at least the elephants that you've described that are uh, probably central to their operation off the road, that would go a long way to, to helping these four that are in different ways yeah. sounds like suffering considerably. Yes. I mean, the Cardin Circus is definitely one of the biggest egregious ones. Uh, the Loomis Franzen Elephant Circus, uh, the elephants come from Brian Franzen's circus, um, and they're, they, they travel under the Loomis Brothers name. They have three elephants with them, Oka, Koshi, and Megu. Um, Megu is out of shows, but they still make her travel with them, I guess, for the same reasons that Bo travels with the Cardin Circus. She, uh, Megu is very lame, and um, but still made to travel. Um, and the same situation with them. I mean, they suffer from arthritis. They suffer from terrible medical conditions that are left untreated. They probably have chronic infections that are never treated. Um, they will die young. Um, that's what we feared for Nosy when she was on the road, that eventually she would just die because she was left with these chronic infections that would eventually ravage her body and kill her. Yeah. Um, the other show that's on the road and this month, starting um, with the Frisco elephants. Now, Tim Frisco is a well-known animal abuser, elephant abuser in the world of elephants. Um, he's going to be with the Hannaford Circus, flying under the Hannaford Circus banner, um, and doing shrine circuses in Georgia this month. Mm. Now, Georgia has a law against elephant riding, so we'll be watching very carefully to see if there are any elephant rides being given during intermissions of those circus shows. Um, but those elephants with Frisco are also in the same boat as all the others that I've mentioned. Um, yeah. so there are me- those are the three major circuses that are in- on the road right now. Um, shrine circuses tend to use 
Carson and Barnes circus elephants, and Carson and Barnes is another large circus entity out of Oklahoma. And the elephants um, that Carden has, uh, Betty, Janice, and Cindy, those elephants are also used for shrine circuses on occasion. So those shrine circuses will be popping up all over the country this year, and I ask people to be on the lookout for them, to let us know when they find them so that we can get in there and try to get video and try to get local um, animal control on on the scene. Um, let the USDA know, although the USDA has been very helpless um, and un- useless, really, during the last several years, especially under the last administration um, and government because the USDA was um, just more or less grounded and put out to pasture for a while yeah um, and they weren't able to we weren't able to get very far with anything with the usda but even before that uh, we were having difficulty getting the usda to perform they were seeing their clients as the owners of these elephants Th- those were the clients not the animals themselves which they are charged to do under the animal welfare act but the actual owners of the elephants became their clients so they made themselves very well known in, in that kind of circle that they weren't going to do anything about what was going on in circuses or zoos all right barbara so i'm going to get to at least one caller and, and one emailer but a quick question because you something you just mentioned a moment ago so if people do see one or more of these uh, references to more one of these circuses um, near where they live. And again, people could be anywhere listening online. And you said, you know, to, for, for people to, to let you guys know, what's the best means to do so? To to say, hey, you know, this circus is here and coming to town next mm-hmm. week or and, and we're, we're concerned about it. How, how should they alert yeah. you? Well, they can email me at fabenosynow at yahoo.com or they can email, uh, they can text me, um, at, um, the, uh, Facebook Messenger, um, through my own name. I'm public, Barbara Trask Lovett on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, they can find us on Twitter at Save Nosy. Um, so I think that so there are yeah. several ways that they can contact us and to do let us know when they see something so that we can take some action um, around the venues that are there and about local laws. Okay, fair enough. Unfortunately, our caller, I think, may have gotten tired of holding, so if they want to call back, I'm sorry about that. One of our emailers says, uh, going back to the trophy hunting conversation, trophy hunting is wrong. There's a man in Texas cloning exotic animals for canned hunts. So sad. So Yeah, uh, just, yeah that's, just that's happening too, unfortunately. Canned hunts in the United States, especially in Texas, are huge moneymakers. Uh, they, they grow or bring breed um, canned um, lions and tigers and other wild animals so that people can go out and just kill these more or less tame animals in in the woods. It's really sick. Yeah. Really sick. And Texas is the most egregious state for doing that. They have a lot of canned hunts in Texas. Yeah. So, Barbara, it occurs to me that not everyone listening may be familiar with the downsides. I mean, we, we've obviously, I think, addressed some of the downsides of circuses, but in terms of other captive elephants that might be living in zoos, what are, I guess, the foremost downsides for an elephant that is living in captivity, uh, even if it's in a zoo, as opposed to some of the hardships that we've already noted about the circus life? Yep. Um, there are there are a few elephants that are actually living alone in zoos, which is a really bad uh, thing for them. As, as I said earlier, they need to be in matriarchal herds. Uh, they learn from each other. Without that education and closeness 
of their their families, then they don't know how to do things like have babies, for example. So if they're bred in a zoo um, to have babies, they may not know what to do with that baby once it's born, and they may reject it, they may kill it, um, and they be you know so stressed about it that they're. They don't. They don't know what they're doing. Um, and there are several elephants that are kept alone in that in zoos in North America, or kept from other elephants in the same zoo. Um, they may um, have issues with being with elephants that are not relatives of theirs, just like we would if we tried to live with somebody who we didn't get along with. Um, Lucy in Edmonton, um, Canada, at the Edmonton Valley Zoo. Um, has been there close to 50 years, and she suffers from obesity and arthritis and all kinds of issues, but the zoo just refuses to send her to a sanctuary where she might be able to live out her life like Nosy is right now, um, living some independence and autonomy. And then we have Happy at the Bronx Zoo. There is a group called the Non-Human Rights Project who is working very hard to try to give the elephants um, human rights, um, which is... um, a long shot probably for them, but they're pushing ahead and we're behind them 100%. Um, then we have Asha at the Natural Bridge Zoo in Virginia. She lives alone. She has been there for many years. She rides in circles around this little paddock with people on her back. Day after day after day, she suffers the same situation as the circus elephants with the arthritis, foot disease, um, probably some chronic infections that never go away. And the fourth one would be Bubbles at Myrtle Beach Safari Park in South South Carolina. She, again, she's alone, um, gives, gives entertainment, uh, circus entertainment, and gives rides, and is used for entertainment purposes only. So um, zoos... <laughs> Zoos have a long way to go to make elephants um, better in their situation. And some zoos are working to make the um, habitats larger and to make the medical care better. But it will never, ever replicate the wild and what they actually need. They still breed the elephant, and a lot of the babies die from what's called the EEHV virus. It's a terrible um, herpes virus that elephants get, and it affects the young more than all the other elephants. So many young, just born elephants, so within their first two to five years, will die from EEHV. Wow. Very contagious amongst zoo elephants, captive elephants. I want to come back to zoo elephants in one sec, but we do have a call. We'll see if we can get them involved in the conversation. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Barbara Trask-Lovett. Hello. Hello. Um, This all sounds to me, um, you need to get, and, and this is also a question, have you gotten politicians involved in this, they, they, there needs to be laws passed because I, I just don't see an end to any of this unless you start passing some laws. Um, have you dealt with any politicians on, on all these issues? And, and I'm going to hang up and listen to your response. Thank you. Okay, thank you for your call. Thank you for your question. Barbara? Yes, thank, thanks for calling in. I appreciate that question. I was going to get to that. Um, there are many states that have passed laws, um, well, not many, but a few states that have passed laws for traveling animals. Um, so that they can't, they have banned traveling animal performances. Uh, New Jersey was one. In fact, they named their law Nosy's Law because at the time Nosy was still on the road with her circus family. Um, they were able to get a law passed with our help. Um, 
to uh, ban circus traveling elephants in the state of New Jersey. Um, there are other states right now that um, are trying to pass laws to do the same thing. Colorado and North Carolina both have laws um, on the books that are going through the motions through committees to do the same thing. And the large law, which is a federal law, is the Traveling Exotic Animals Public Safety and Protection Act. It's called TEEPSPA which stands for that. And the TEEPSPA Act is a, an act that would ban uh, circus animals traveling, circus animals throughout the country. Now, that is a really big law, and we would like to see that pass. It's making its way through Congress, through the House and the Senate. We have many, many people, um, legislators on both sides of the aisle. It's a bipartisan effort to get this law passed, and we would like to see it passed in this session. Um, what do you think... Barbara, the uh, sorry to interrupt there. I'm just curious. What do you think no the prospects of it passing? Because that or something like it has certainly come up before, and um, it's got a lot of support. But occasionally, of course, we run into opposition for one reason or another. So, what if you were handicapping this one? Uh, how, how would you look at it? I would say that it probably has a better chance now with the current administration than it had in the last administration. Mm-hmm. It has come up um, several, uh, two or three times in the past. Yeah. And doesn't really make it out of committees. Right. Uh, they're still looking for support. So anybody that that is interested in getting this law passed so that circuses can no longer travel in this country with elephants um, or with other or with big cats or any of the uh, larger land mammals, then they can contact their legislators, their congressmen, their senators, um, and let them know that they want them to support this big this big ele- big elephant um, public safety act. It, it'll uh, make a big difference. And it will be a game changer for us. It'll put circuses out of business in this country. And that would be the ultimate, ultimate game for the elephants. For sure. Now, some, now some states, I guess, kind of as a small but also effective way to kind of neutralize the way that circuses could travel, have put bullhook bans in place. How many states would you say have, or, re, or areas have those kinds of um, laws? Well, I know California is one of the bigger ones that yeah. put a bullhook plan in place, and mm-hmm. it, was, um, it made a big difference in the state because it moved one of the larger elephant entertainment um, businesses out of the state. Uh, they were called Have Trunk, Will Travel, and yeah. they used to lease their elephants out for entertainment purposes for TV and movies. Um, Ty the Elephant, um, who was in the movie Water for Elephants, came from that outfit. They were forced to move out of the state because of the bullhook ban, and they have since moved to um, Texas, where they're now called the Preserve. They're doing the same thing in Texas that uh. they were doing in California, unfortunately, and they're having people come in and bathe the elephants on a daily basis, uh. which is a horrible thing to do for an elephant because their skin is so sensitive. Um, and they're having um, entertainment there at the facility um, in Texas. Wow. Um, that, so they're, they're, they're part of like the roadside zoo um, uh, realm, I guess you could say. Yeah. Zoos, zoos tend to perpetuate what I call the, the zoo big lie, um, that, that the breeding of elephants is conservation of some sort, but those elephants will never be released to the wild. And there are more elephant babies dying in zoos than there are being born. So they can't keep this going. It, it, it's just not going to perpetuate itself. Yeah, it's just not a winning approach, right, to have an elephant in a zoo is just inherently... Uh, impossible, which some zoo directors over the years have have realized and and removed zoos from their right. um, 
from their exhibits. But uh, so we're sort of at the end of our time. We're nearing it quickly, uh, Barbara. So in terms of people finding out more, we, we did tell them where they could contact you if they knew a, a circus was kind of on the horizon. I guess we should let them know that SaveNosyNow.org is a website. There's also all kinds of social media uh, re- related to Save Nosy Now. Just wondering if there's any other uh, online presence that you want to call attention to for people to find out more or to uh, contact you or others? Yes, yes. Um, Save Nosy Now, which is a uh, Facebook group on on um, Facebook, mm-hmm. is a clo- is a closed group. Yeah, and that means that you'd have to ask to join. Um, we keep the numbers low on that group only because we find it very effective to have very um, people who are really into elephants and understand what's going on um, to take the actions that we provide. The um, more open and public group um, that I'm part of is called the Elephant Advocacy Project, and it's a public group on Facebook public page. Anybody can like the page and read their post. We tend to share um, a lot of things with Save Nosy Now on that page, Mm -hmm. Um, but we also tend to share more worldwide problems about elephants on the Elephant Advocacy Project page. Okay. I also I also run several other um, elephant pages. The largest one calling called Save All Elephants, where they can also get a lot of information about elephants worldwide. Great. All right. Well, I think folks that uh, have elephant interest of one kind or another then have plenty of places to go online, either websites or Facebook pages, etc. And uh, Barbara, thank you so much once again for joining us on Talking Animals and all your tireless efforts on behalf of our uh, elephant friends. I really, really appreciate it. It was great speaking with you once again. Thanks for having me, Duncan. I appreciate it. You bet. In a moment, we'll talk with Gracie Grishop about the Pet Pal Animal Shelter 19th Annual Puppy Love Benefit. It's virtual this year, as is the bidding for the numerous auction packages. More on that in a moment here on Talking Animals on WNF. Right now, though, we're going to step into the Comedy Corner with Nate Bargatze with a brief piece called Fat Cat in today's Comedy Corner on Talking Animals on WNF. My parents recently, uh, my parents have a real, real, real fat cat. Real fat. Uh, people, people point it out. You know, they walk in. They're like, "Man, that cat's fat," and it feels rude. You know, like he doesn't speak English, but we do, so maybe don't say that. And they're just, you know, they're like, "What are y'all feeding this cat?" You're like, oh, "Whatever you feed a cat, dude." I like normal cat food stuff. We pour a bowl. He eats it. Like if he eats eight birds outside, he doesn't tell us. You know, he's not like, oh, I ate out tonight, I'm good. Uh, and then they're like, well, y'all should do something. You're like, what do you think we're not doing? Do you think he has a gym membership and we don't drive him to the gym? He's a cat. That's his gym membership. He's, he's a cat. That was Nate Bargatze. In today's Comedy Corner with a piece called Fat Cat, taken from an appearance on a Comedy Central show. Now it's time to speak with Gracie Grishop about Pet Pals Animal Shelter's big annual fundraiser, the annual Puppy Love Benefit, gone virtual this year. This is Gracie Grishop, back with us on Talking Animals on WF. Good morning, Gracie. Good morning, Duncan. Thanks for joining us again on Talking Animals. 
for inviting us again. It was so wonderful to get your phone call for the invite. You bet. So for those who may not be familiar, though, let's start with just maybe you could provide us a brief overview of Pet Pal Animal Shelter. What is it? What, what is its mission? And so on. And then we'll get on to uh, the big event. Absolutely. So um, Pet Pal Animal Shelter is a no-kill shelter located in St. Pete. Um, 405 22nd Street South. We are right across the street from the Morian Center for Clay, so any St. Pedans will know where that place is. Um, our mission is to rescue dogs and cats from other shelters, but we do take in owner surrenders if we have room. Um, we also rescue uh, critters such as like you know, anything, uh, ducks, birds, um, pigs. We've had uh, turtles, all kinds of stuff in there, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, our shelter can hold about 200 animals. Um, we do around 50 to 60 adoptions monthly, um, thankfully. We currently have about 15 available dogs and around 10 available cats for adoption, um, but we also have a rehabilitation side, and on that side we could have anywhere from maybe 30 animals to even 50 animals um, where we're treating things like heartworms and uh, upper respiratory, ringworms, scabies, um, mange, um, fractures, all kinds of ailments. Um, plus, we typically have around um, anywhere from 30 to 50 animals, thankfully, in our wonderful foster parents' homes until they're ready for adoption. So that probably gives a little little information about us and yeah. what we have going on and where we are and what we do. I guess so. Among the things I learned was about the ducks that could possibly uh, be brought in there. Hey, so, yeah. yeah, we get a little quacky sometimes. Oh, oh yikes. Ones. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so kind of pertinent for today's brief conversation, how is Pet Pal Animal Shelter funded? We are individually funded. Um, we just are based on uh, our donors, our supporters in our community. Uh, we do, of course, get some grants here and there when they become available um, for other other things um, that are out there, but mostly we rely on all of our individuals in our community to help us out. And um, thankfully, we've been very uh, grateful and um, appreciative of everyone's support over this past year and a half. Um, it's been hard for everyone, but the rescuing doesn't stop. So right. know, we really appreciate everyone's support. So events like the Puppy Love Benefit are kind of crucial, I think, probably to keeping the monies going and, and being able to still provide those services. And uh, as we noted a couple times, earlier in the show going virtual this time was that a tough decision to make to um to take it online as opposed to try to do anything different in this hopefully tail end if we're with any luck tail end yeah, of the pandemic we did yeah we followed a lot of our neighboring shelters and friends and rescue groups and have been um you know sharing ideas back and forth tough is definitely uh an, an interesting word i would use more like challenging and new mm -hmm. um it's new for everybody so it's just been it's just been a little different but that's okay. Everything's new. I love I love new things. You learn something new all the time. Sure. So it just keeps us going. And um, so far, uh, people are having a lot of fun bidding, and and our community really stepped up when we asked for donations. And it's definitely hard to ask people for something when we know how hard it's been. But our community has been so awesome. St. Peter's great. Tampa Bay area is just wonderful. And um, usually everybody's like anything for the animals, whatever you need. So yeah. uh, we have some wonderful packages on there that have been donated by our community businesses and uh, individual donors and supporters and volunteers and, and artists and handmade items and all kinds of wonderful things. Well, that's great. So I know the bidding is actually underway, but tell me about two or three maybe auction packages that um, people uh, might be excited to hear about. Oh, 
Okay, let's see. Oh, gosh, what can I tell you? I'm not going to give you the, uh, the ones that I'm bidding on, of course. Okay, um, <laughs> cool. You don't, want, you don't want any last-minute competition, I'm sure. Yeah. We have, we have some vacation items in there. Um, winter, the Dolphins Beach Clubhouse. Uh, there's also some signed memorabilia from the, uh, the cast in that show. Um, we even have some law and order weird uh, items. Um, we have other vacations from our friends at the Serata, a Keystone Motel. And, and, you know, the vacations are important because people really need a break. And so this yeah. is a great opportunity to, to get some items for either gifts or for yourself for Mother's Day coming up. Sure. Uh, we also have, of course, um, booze always does really good. We do a really big booze barrel basket and wine okay. basket and... White and red, and there's just all kinds of dog-related, cat-related items, cat trees. I mean, it's very diverse. There's yeah. something for everyone in this auction. And the bidding uh, goes on still for a few more days, if I'm not mistaken, through Saturday, this Saturday, the, uh, May 8th, correct? We're going to close the bidding. It started May 1st at right. 7 p.m. last Saturday. We're going to close it this Saturday, May 8th at 10 p.m. Okay. So before we uh, say goodbye, uh, Gracie, give me uh, um, the best website or social media access or both, whatever, for people to find out more and, and place their bids. And, of course, also maybe see some uh, fab animals available for adoption on a yeah, separate note. Yeah, go to our website, PetPalAnimalShelter.com. Okay. Um, we're on Facebook. Just look up Pet Pal Animal Shelter, Instagram, same thing. And Great. We're even on Twitter and YouTube. And, um, yeah, we're, we're excited. So everyone just have a good time with it and know that you're raising money for our animals. We appreciate it. Awesome. Okay, well, cool. Well, thank you so much, uh, Gracie, and good luck with big, big bids coming in the next few days. And we'll speak to you next time about Pet Pal Animal Shelter. Take thank care. Thank you for all you do, Duncan. Thanks thank for you. having me on. You bet. Thanks. Bye-bye. I'm Duncan Strauss. We're listening to Talking Animals coming up on WMNF. Continue with our public affairs block for the next couple of hours. Then at 1 p.m., the music kicks back in with 360 Degrees of Blues, hosted by Harrison Nash, followed by Scott Elliott in the All Souls edition of It's the Music. Again, next Wednesday on Talking Animals, I mentioned at the top of the show, we will present Dog Trainer and more. Glenn Hatchell of the Humane Society of Tampa Bay in a new feature I'm calling Ask the Trainer. So I invite you to join me for that show, especially if you have any questions about your dogs, behavioral challenges, uh, any kind of issues, kind of more everyday stuff than really specialized things that we've talked about with other guests on the show. So that'll be next Wednesday. Go to TalkingAnimals.net for audio archives of every show we've ever broadcast and links to our social media page are there and more. So this is Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. I'm Duncan Strauss. Thanks very much for listening. Have a good week. Be kind to animals. Be kind to others. Be kind to yourself. And we'll see you next Wednesday on Talking Animals on WMNF Tampa. Brandon Largo, Wikiwachi, NBR, NPR News Headlines Now.